we have been studying Exodus, and we're studying Exodus from the perspective of how we can apply each of the chapters to our own lives. And so during the class period, I take, uh, for instance, today is chapter 6, and I, I give clues on how we can remember it, get it stuck in our brain. And then during the sermon segment, I try to present some applications that you and I can make right now, real time, in our life today, to make us better people, more Christ-like. So Exodus applied, we're into chapter 6. Here are five questions that uh, we will try to address during this time together. If you're part of the Restoration School of Biblical Studies, these questions will be on your final test. So you can screenshot that and get ready to go fill in the blanks, if you want, as we go through this thing. Got them? All right, here we go. The text is from Exodus chapter 6. The topic that I'm using by way of application is God promises. What happens when God promises? What are the parts of God's promise that he makes here to Moses and God's people and still, I think, resonates down through the halls of time right into our lives today? Here's the text. Let's read it together, and then I'll give you three points from it. God spoke to Moses, and he said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, Yahweh. But my name, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as, so, as sojourners, as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of my people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a great and with great acts of judgment. <clears throat> I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. You might notice how many times he talks he refers to himself as the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. There he says it again. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because their broken spirit and the harsh slavery. Three things that happen when God makes a promise, or three segments, if you want, with regards to the promises of God that are illuminated in this passage and I think still happen in our lives today. I'm going to have trouble getting myself out of the way here. I appeared to Abraham, etc. Yahweh, God Almighty, special name there. Then he says down here in verse 7, And I'll take you to be my people, and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God. First thing that happens when God makes a promise, <clears throat> in this case, and to you and I as well, is that we, we inherit, if you will, an, an intimate knowledge of him. <clears throat> when God interacts with God's people, when he interacts with you and I, and he makes a covenant with us, with as an as a obvious nature of that covenant, we are taking the most awesome, most powerful being in all that is. And he's actually communicating more than that. <clears throat> he's actually making a covenant, a promise with you and I, giving us a, an intimate insight, an intimate knowledge. In our passage, we've got the word Yahweh, which is a unique word that is used in reference to God as God Almighty. And then we've got this concept of the Lord, which he says <clears throat> evidently is even a more intimate expression that he has put. It's not just that I am God Almighty. I'm going to be your Lord. I'm going to be your ruler. I'm going to take care of you, your protector. And you notice how many times in my reading throughout, he refers to himself as the Lord here. 
And then there's this intimate part where he says, I'm going to take you to be my people. I'll be your God. You'll know me as the Lord. So there is an intimate knowledge that comes about when God makes a promise with us. Now, what I'm going to do in each of these three points is I'm going to take you to the part of the book of the Revelation, last book of the Bible, and show you how that God fulfills these parts to you and I today, or is going to fulfill them in the future to you and I today. Revelation chapter 21, uh, right near the end of the book. I And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. You see the intimacy. So one chapter before the end of the entire book, and we've got this statement by God. You're going to be my people. There's this intimate knowledge that God says you're going to have of me. <clears throat> Not unlike what he says here in verse 7, that I'm going to take you to be my people, and I will be your God. Notice that. I'll be your God. And what does he say here in Revelation at the end of the book? God himself will be with them as their God. And so God continues to fulfill his promises throughout the ages. And the consistent nature of God is such that when he makes you a promise, it's not just that you can count on the promise to be fulfilled. That certainly is the big one. But the second, or down the line somewhere, but one of the major parts of this is that you're going to gain in that this intimate understanding of who he is. And so all of the promises that you find made to God's people, especially the church, recognize that it's not just a, an assurance of something, it's also a revelation. He is exposing his heart to you when he gives you a promise. So there's this intimate knowledge. How cool is that, right? All right, the second thing that you're going to find when God makes a promise is that you're going to find that there will be just vindication that is going to happen towards your enemies. That when God makes a promise, especially in this case where he refers to himself as the Lord, if I'm going to be your protector, you can guarantee, be guaranteed, you can understand, you, you, it is guaranteed to you, take it to the bank, I will protect you. There's going to be a just vindication. Now, it may take time, and you see, that's what's happening down here. Moses has showed up and he's told them everything's going to be better. They don't like the message because things didn't get better immediately. And so because of their broken spirit, because of the harsh slavery that they're under, they don't believe Moses. But you and I need to be different. We need to recognize that if we, will, if we will center ourselves on the promises of God, that even though there may be a period of hurt and persecution, suffering that takes place before we actually get there, just vindication will happen. It is going to happen. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. God will make things right. Notice he says here, I will deliver you from, sla from slavery to them, and I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And you, know, you and I, of course, know the story of the book of, of, of uh, Exodus and how that we're going to have the ten plagues, horrible plagues, decimates Egypt. And God's going to bring all that about because he has promised great acts of judgment because he, in his promises, brings about just vindication. Again, making the New Testament application, Revelation chapter 20, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire with sulfur where the beasts and the false prophets were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Just vindication. Sometimes I, I look around and I see how Satan is having his way with people, not just in my life, but in the lives of my loved ones, and it just disgusts me. It hurts me. I hate it. And I say 
as I call out towards heaven, how long, Lord, how long? But one thing I need to be absolutely certain of is that there will be a just vindication. That Satan will take his place in the lake of fire. And by the way, all those who have deceived been his minions in this life, they will accompany him in that lake of fire where there will be torment day and night forever and ever because of what they have done. There will be just vindication, number two. Number three, <clears throat> when God makes a promise, he allows you to take personal ownership. One of the things that I love about God's promises is that they're not just kind of uh, general in nature, some of these promises actually come down the pike as, this is mine. I can claim this one. And uh, I think that when you understand that principle, you begin to appreciate the great hope that, that comes about given the fact that God actually is making a, a promise to me. Notice what happens here. <clears throat> I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. God says, I'm going to take you out of here. Now, you're hurting right now. Some of you aren't going to believe my messenger because of the slavery that you're under. But listen, I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to give you this land. Now, one of the things that we got to recognize here is that most of the folks he's speaking to are not actually going to claim the land. Their people will, their kids will, but not them because of disobedience. And so in the promises that God gives, they will be fulfilled, but they may not necessarily be fulfilled directly to you if you are not obedient to him. Two guys. Moses doesn't even get to go into the promised land, remember? Only two guys get to go in because they were faithful spies who said, we can do this. The others had no backbone. And so the entire generation has to die in the wilderness. But Personal ownership does come to those, even those that die in the wilderness. It comes to them through their children, but they personally don't get to see it. We need to be understanding that our responsibility, not the responsibility of our kids, our responsibility is to make sure that we take ownership of the promise that God has made. And the only way to take ownership of that is to be obedient to Him. Let's return one last time to the book of Revelation chapter 21. Now we're going to see right up, again, there's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation, so we're almost to the end of this thing. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Without payment. It's going to be yours. The one who conquers will have his heritage. I love that word. And I will be his God. He will be my son. You'll take ownership of what is to come. The new heaven and the new earth. It's going to be yours. You're my son. The inheritance that we are told that we can have, according to Romans chapter 8, his spirit testifies with my spirit that I'm a child of God. And we're told in Romans chapter 8 that that inheritance that we are bound to collect or to have will happen only if we are willing to go the path of the Lord, suffer with Jesus. So like the, the, the children of Israel who still had a season of suffering to go through with the Egyptians, they were taking away their straw and making them keep up the same number of bricks that they produce, even though they don't have straw. There's going to go through a, a brief season of suffering. When they come out the other side, God says, I'm going to give you possession. You're going to be able to take ownership of something very, very special. It's why we call it the promised land. Because God makes this promise. And in making his promise, 
he, we gain intimate knowledge of him. We can, we can see a just vindication that he's going to, to bring about on our, our enemies. And then we get to take personal ownership. And so he speaks here in, in Revelation 21 of that new age to come. And he's saying of that new age, if we are conquerors, if we've overcome, then we are going to be his sons, his daughters, and that we will have access to not only his sphere, but we'll be able to take ownership because we are, we're the princes and the princesses of heaven. How awesome is that, right? Exodus applied. Chapter 6, here are the five questions that we tried to cover. I think we did pretty good. You got them? Thank you so much for being with me. I'm grateful. This is Sonny Chow saying, be there. Matthew 16, 26.